0: Now we come to the thrilling final
1: episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley, this is going to make me look kind of freaky. Luke Lipinski,
0: the great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> You're devaluing the word "great" if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station
2: final hour of the show, live from the Akjen Community Studios. Wolf, we are four hours away from the start of week three of the NFL. Browns-Steelers tonight. Those two teams always very nice to each other. Brawl. yeah. <laughs> Just go ahead, and, go ahead and anticipate a brawl on Thursday night. Um, this was a topic uh, surrounding the Cardinals coming into the season of okay, do you have enough of a pass rush? You've, you've let Chandler Jones go. Have you done enough to replace him? Now, I think in fairness, we need to say this Wolf well, Chandler Jones hasn't done a whole lot for the Raiders in the yeah. first two games. Yeah. Doesn't mean he won't but it's not like you have lost anything yet.
1: And once again, too, it's it's not like sacks are the only thing that matters. How many holding calls do you draw as an edge guy, right? Um, How many pressures does he get? How many times does he change what a quarterback sees? Those are the things that really matter, to me at least, right there. It's not just sacks. It's not just cold, hard stats. It's also how he's impacting games. But having said that, and <laughs> He really didn't impact the game a lot for the Raiders last week. Either I was gonna
2: I was gonna respond to that by saying, "Okay, now I'm gonna hit you with some cold hard stats." But I think you're right. I, I didn't. I mean, noticed Max Crosby all game. Yeah, when he wasn't making yes. a play, I noticed him yep. all game. And uh, would the Cardinals be better if Chandler Jones was still in the defense? Yeah, the defense is still be no better because other guys would get freed up, or maybe he would be getting sacks. But for what the Raiders had to pay for him, I'm just saying it at least gives some context as to why the Cardinals were like we're not going to pay that. Sorry, Chan. Yes.
1: And I don't know what happened the week before with Chan. I really don't, but I I will tell you also, I want to give credit to DJ Humphreys. I want to give credit where credit is due. DJ did a great job shutting him down, watching the tape once again. Oh my goodness. Yes. They helped him out from time to time. Yeah. There were some chip blocks. Yes. A tight end lined up over there and would release through (laughs) Chandler Jones, yet at the same time, man, DJ did a great job.
2: Uh, That all said, though, it leads to this. Through two games, the Cardinals have given up a 123.4 passer rating. That's the worst in the NFL. Now, they've faced Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr, so they probably weren't going to be at the top of the NFL through the first two games. But they only have one sack. Well, J.J. Watt has the one sack. uh, Came back last week and got it. But one sack, only two other teams, the Raiders, actually, and the Saints, each uh, have just the one sack so far. Everybody else has at least a few. Tampa already has (laughs) ten through two games. Incredible. I think Todd Bowles has three sacks himself but um this look this was a, a
1: concern going into the season and so far i i would not say that it has been fixed yeah no it doesn't look like it has been fixed and of course the passer rating really matters to me because it's the defensive quarterback rating you look at it over and over and over again and you've heard me talk about this but man go look at the top 10 quarterback ratings at the end of the year, and you'll see the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They're basically there. So that tells me that stat, that has merit. It does. It's a good measurement as to how a human being is playing the quarterback position. So now flip it over, Basin, Arneans. Look at it from the defensive perspective. Defensive quarterback rating. When you tell me that the Cardinals have, what, the second highest? That's what it is? It's, it's the highest allowed. The, the highest yeah, they, quarterback they,
2: rate. They are at a 123.4 allowed. The next closest is Tennessee at 121.3. Nobody else is above
1: 115. Now think about that right there. I mean, that tells you that is a good barometer as to what we have seen. And to your point, yeah, it was Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And it was Derek, you know Derek Carr. And he's no slouch either. Oh, look, everybody. That's Devontae Adams out there. But uh, they got to get better at pressuring the quarterback, or those numbers are only going to get worse.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of people were holding out hope that they would go out and add a vet, and that that's not impossible for them to do. Although they haven't done it even after the season started, when you're not necessarily on the hook for as much of a financial commitment if you if you wait till after week one, as opposed to in the preseason, they still haven't done it. But one of them is signing. It looks like Jason Pierre-Paul, over the last like half hour, this one's really taken off, that he seems to be going to Baltimore. Which, if I just said, guess one team that's going to go out there and sign a player like Jason Pierre-Paul, wouldn't you just say Baltimore? It's always Baltimore signing these guys.
1: Yeah. um, Listen, can I just tell you right now that um, it's not going to be somebody out there. It really isn't. There's nobody out there that they're going to go ahead and sign that's going to come walking in here and make the Arizona Cardinals... Significantly better in terms of a pass rush, in terms of their passer rating, in terms of covering anybody. Honestly, there's not a lot of guys walking around on the sidewalk right now that you can go out and sign that will come in and make a huge difference. It's the guys in that room that have to get better. It's the defensive side of the ball. Everybody has got to play better, period. Period. They got to scheme better. They got to play better. They got to execute, and they got to go out and do their jobs better. That's the way out of here. Nothing else. Nobody is going to walk through that door, and suddenly it's going to change everything. Now, a trade, possibly, if they could work a trade, and we've seen Steve Keim do that, that could possibly be in the works. But right now, the answer is inside that locker room. It's inside that defensive meeting room.
2: If you were going to add somebody, Pierre Paul was about the only one out there that is 91 career sacks, but he's 33. But 91 career sacks, um, but anybody that's going to be out yeah, there is, is right. really early to mid-30s, really right. closer to mid-30s, honestly. And, and
1: it's, you know, it's really not his age at that point in time because there's been a lot of good pass rushers that have been 32, 33 years old. Um, he's out there for a reason. Well, he's not out there anymore. Right. He was out there for a <laughs> Whatever reason. Whatever
2: the reason was. It's
1: because he wasn't great. Somebody wasn't willing to look at the tape and say, man, we're going to pay him what he wants. But you That's know, why he was out there.
2: To your point, if it's going to have to come internally or via trade... Um I do still think it's going to have to happen. You know, you you've survived the first two games, and I know that we are we are in full blown survival mode. The first six weeks, not having DeAndre Hopkins, I would say especially the first four weeks, because three of those games are extremely difficult on paper. Carolina is the fourth one. I don't. That's not ever easy for the Cardinals, seemingly. Uh, but also, I mean, you have other guys like Antonio Hamilton, some of these other guys that aren't playing the first four weeks. That's really can you get through the first four weeks even two and two? Can you get through the first six weeks three and three or better but at some point you are going to have to have a pass rush to have success because you're you're pretty thin at, at corner I mean even if Byron Murphy is amazing which so far this season, or at least so far last week, he, he has been. You're still going to need some way to get to the quarterback. Yeah. Can it be J.J. Watt? Can he be your leading sack guy
1: from that, that spot on the field now? Yeah. Um, you know, um, we'll it's see. J.J. Watt. You know, it is J.J. Watt. Exactly. Uh, he's much more effective, I think, as an interior pass rusher than he is coming off the edge. But he impacts everyone else. Listen, Zach Allen was close to a couple of sacks. Yeah. He was close to a couple of sacks last week. So, you know, I I do have hope that these guys can actually just continue to improve and get better, but you know, once again, I'm not looking on the outside. This is what the Arizona Cardinals are left with. This is what they have inside that locker room right now in the answer to the problem of applying pressure to an opposing quarterback and the difficulties they're having doing that. It lies within that locker room. <laughs> There's no other way to cut it. Well,
2: I would say and I know a lot of fans don't agree that that's the way it should be, but I think it's pretty clear that that's how the Cardinals feel too because we're not hearing anything about them going after anybody. Coming up next, we're going to help you with your fantasy football lineups for week three with our fantasy reality check. It is the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Is in
1: the world today. <laughs>
0: Wolf and Luke present Fantasy Reality Check, where fantasy football gets a reality check from ten-year NFL fullback, four-time Pro Bowler Ron Wolfley.
2: Well, this is one of those times I wish the off-air conversations could just go on the air, but I feel like most of what was said will eventually find its way on the air anyway. Yeah, there's no doubt. <laughs> Rip Paul. <all. laughs>
1: Tune in to the Big Red Reach tonight oh, at yeah. six o'clock. That's
2: right. Perfect. All right, it's time for the fantasy reality check, where I'm going to give you some fantasy advice, and then Wolf's just going to destroy my enthusiasm for oh my fantasy football. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start at quarterback, Wolf, and I'm just going to throw a few names out here of players that are probably available for you to pick up, not necessarily in your league, Wolf. Okay. But in the other leagues, the people are out there, especially if you're just like kind of like an office league where it's not the super hardcore people that probably listen to this show. Um, and I'm going I want to get your thoughts on a couple of these names, Wolf.
1: Tua, let's start with Tua. Okay, Tua Tungabaloa.
2: Yes. Six touchdowns last week. He was not drafted in uh, any of the leagues I'm in, except uh, he was accidentally drafted by me in one league. Total accident as a backup. But I tell you what, you got Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. That is, even if you're not a great quarterback,
1: you're going to put up numbers with those two. Yeah, no, those those are really dangerous receivers, as you well know. Who's the Miami Dolphins playing? Who are they playing? Buffalo. Do you have that in front Buffalo. of you right yes, now? No, they're playing the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so you would think to yourself that the Miami Dolphins are going to be behind in this game, and that means they're going to throw the ball, and I imagine throw the ball a lot. The question you've got to ask yourself right now is how good is that buffalo bills defense how good are they at actually stopping the pass i'm gonna say pretty good can i tell you right now that they are incredible at doing that number two in the national football league and passing yards per game allowed and passing yards per play allowed so as far as Tua by loa goes and any Miami Dolphin receiver, I wouldn't put too much stock in the numbers they're going to be able to produce this week.
2: Yeah, I don't think I would start Tua this week. It's going to be interesting coming off a six touchdown game. I'm sure some people are going to. I'm a big matchups guy when it comes to fantasy football, if they're extreme, and you just pointed out a very extreme one. I don't want to start guys against Buffalo. I mean, I'll still start Tyreek Hill, but but I do think if Tua's out there, might be worth picking up just for future use, just to kind of stash on your bench. And the other one, Wolf, I, I, Jared Goff is slinging it here the first couple games. Detroit is one and one. I'm not saying that they're going to be amazing. I'm not saying Jared Goff's going to be amazing. He might be somebody you wouldn't mind having on your bench because the other name that's out there is Jimmy Garoppolo. And I just don't picture Jimmy Garoppolo as somebody that throws the ball very often. Like, he's not hes not going to take the risks to give you fantasy points.
1: Yeah, who are the 49ers playing once again? This is something that's going to be uh, via game plan, of course, based on who they might be playing out there, and that's... Um, that's what I would weigh as to who Jimmy G is actually going to play. Well,
2: they're going to be playing Denver, which means they're going to play a team that scores in increments of three all day. <laughs> so I don't know how that might impact your decision making. And
1: right? where are they playing that game? Denver. Okay, which, Denver. Which means
2: they will click kick the uh, closer field goals.
1: Yeah, Jimmy G, we're gonna we're gonna get you to go out there and start against the Denver Broncos, who do still have a very good defense, in my opinion. Good pass. For Overall, pretty good pass defense as well. So, because of that, no, I wouldn't start Jimmy G. Either. Yeah, and
2: when, when, of course, we're trying to get you the kind of like the mid-tier guys that might be available in your league, or you might be debating if you should put him in there. I'm going to throw this name at you, Wolf, at running back. I did some research. The most added player in fantasy football this week
1: is Daryl Williams. Is that right? That's right. The most added player. What do you mean the most added player? The most yeah, added player. That- They've got they've got stats for that oh, somebody yeah, who's absolutely, a, oh, yeah. well this is Well life.
2: because of, look I mean Patrick Mahomes isn't uh, going to be a most added player because he was drafted Daryl Williams wasn't drafted in a ton of leagues yes. so he's not a starter yeah. but he's being
1: added a lot partially because James Conner's questionable also I think partially because of how Daryl Williams looked last week It's the combination thereof right there honestly you know what See, I I would add Darryl Williams as well. well. I know you would. Can you stop and think about it? Well, again, I wouldn't because I don't have a fantasy team.
2: But you would draft one just to have Daryl Williams on the team.
1: But Daryl Williams um, against the Rams, uh-huh. where I think the Arizona Cardinals have got to establish the running game where they got to remain balanced, where I could actually see Kyler Murray targeting running backs as well, coming out of the backfield. If James Conner is not healthy, there's a really good chance. Daryl Williams is going to be the guy not Eno Benjamin. It's going to be Daryl Williams as the backup to James Conner. And then Eno Benjamin will be the change-up to Daryl Williams at that point in time. I think there's a real good possibility people are adding Daryl Williams because of that possibility.
2: Well, see, and he's one of those guys that if you if you live in the valley and you're playing in a fantasy football league with a bunch of other people in the valley, I think most of them have probably caught on that Daryl Williams may get a lot of reps this weekend. But if you are like in a league with a bunch of your buddies from college and they live all over the country, yeah, you could probably go out there and get Daryl Williams right now. And and that was kind of my follow-up to it, Wolf. A lot of people look and you say, Okay, well you're playing the Rams. Do I really want to start a running Back against the Rams defense if he's starting. This is all predicated on if James Conner doesn't play. But the Rams run defense isn't it's not it's not elite
1: necessarily at this point. No, um, no, there's no doubt about that, Luke. It's it's not elite. It's um been they're gonna run bad. right at him. Yeah, exactly. No, it has not been good at all. And yet at the same time, um the opportunity is there. It really is. They're going to be balanced, and they're going to screen a lot. I would imagine some wide receiver screens trying to tire out Aaron Donald as well. That's going to be heavy in the game plan this week, and maybe some flat-out running back screens to try to wear down or take advantage of Aaron Donald and his aggressiveness rushing the passer.
2: Uh, wide receiver, this is a trend I wanted to, to point out to you and, and get your thoughts on. Uh, three rookies in particular, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. already making an impact at the receiver position in just their first two weeks of the season. Drake London's up to 160 yards, uh, Garrett Wilson 154 at a couple scores in the game that's actually playing in the uh, the replay in the studio right now. Jets, Browns, and then Chris Olave. They already, Jameis Winston throws to him a lot. Typically, wide receiver for a rookie, you don't Necessarily see this many guys making an impact right away, unless no. it's like an Odell Beckham a few years ago or like Justin Jefferson when he stepped in. But you don't typically see this many this quickly,
1: especially when you have Jameis Winston as your quarterback. And again, I'm not trying to rip Jameis Winston, but so much time either You know, I mean, it's just yeah, he's he's hit or miss on so it's all or nothing basically with Jameis Winston. But man, that's cool to see that Chris Olave. There was a guy that we really loved. Yeah. When he came out, man, you just had this feeling if of all the receivers, that guy was NFL ready, he may not have been the most talented of all the receivers that came out but to me it was NFL ready
2: well and that's that's kind of the point here is you you got one of these rookie receivers those three not just any rookie receiver but Drake London Garrett Wilson Garrett Wilson I saw was I don't know what the numbers were on him but I know he was picked up in a lot of leagues this week so he may be right there with uh, with Darrell Williams but uh, but yeah even Chris Olave, they throw to him a lot Wolf we'll wrap up on this with defense Tampa Bay I mentioned before 10 sacks that leads the NFL Buffalo 9 Dallas 8 when you just look around the league which defense is the one and I'm not even talking fantasy here for a second because i think defense you just kind of want the best defense i always try to play matchups with defense like i like to have a great one but then also have like somebody that if i had buffalo this week and they're playing miami i'd like to have somebody who just has a really good matchup but when you look around the league what defense scares you the most
1: you know honestly um i i don't know i just haven't seen enough tape on it for the most part uh, Tampa Bay, there's no doubt. Todd Bowles, I respect him so much. Um, some of the numbers they've actually posted, I think, are pretty good. Right now, they're top 10 in every category, every major category you could have, whether it's total yards per game or yards per play. And basically, when you look at that, when you look at those numbers right there and you look at the sacks that they have generated, um, I'm going to take Todd Bowles and I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their defense and what they're doing and say that's Super Bowl caliber and I love what they do not only the ability to shut down the run but also the ability to get to your quarterback and kill him basically and
2: that's a Todd Bowles thing like that's not he's not going to change that midway through the season they may not get five sacks a game but he's still he's that's Todd Bowles (laughs) He just he goes after your quarterback Tampa has played Dallas but it was Dallas when they had Dak for most of the game in New Orleans in their first two games, too. So all those numbers you just read about defensive, you know, being efficient defensively, they've been against two decent
1: offenses. No, there's no doubt, man. They really have. And one of the other things they do so well is they get off the field. They're so good on third down, and that's Todd Bowles, once again. That is a Todd Bowles staple to get off the field on third down. Number two, I believe. Number two in the National Football League right now in third down defense.
2: So that's your uh, fantasy reality check heading into Week three and also a reality check for all of us that Tampa Bay and Tom Brady may end up back in the Super Bowl this year. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty, six twenty right now. We come back. Where did the Suns stand roster wise heading into training camp? One name that had been linked to them a lot is on his way to Detroit. So we'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station.
0: Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.
2: Hi, right, welcome back to the show. We're going to switch gears over to basketball. I thought uh, Brian Windhorst, when he was on with Bickley and this morning, Wolf said a few things that are pretty interesting about how we have gotten to this point with Robert Sarver and the Suns. Uh, before we even play these, though, the point you made earlier in the show of, from a basketball perspective... This isn't really even going to be a story in like a week. Yeah. Is I think probably the, the most refreshing thing just to a Suns fan. Again, setting aside the human aspect of what was in that 43 page report. That is a whole different thing. That's a whole different show. But from the basketball perspective on this, the fact that this is not going to be a conversation all year of, oh, is Sarver really going to hold on to this team? And, you know, this is now, this is an issue and people don't like the Suns because of Sarver because of this. And it's just hanging over the team. I'm sure Chris Paul and Devin Booker and whoever else in that locker room are like, okay, let's just let's talk about it yeah. at media day because we're going right. to have to. And maybe right. Chris Paul, maybe he comes out and says something else separately at some other point, but he doesn't have to now.
1: He doesn't have to, and I really think that media day is going to be the end of it. I know that if I were Monty Williams, I would want it to be the end. It would it would be the end of it right there. Now, again, I'm not saying that they need to forget the lessons we all, and I mean all of us, should learn from what has happened and what this investigation revealed. I'm not saying that, Luke. You should learn from it and go on, of course, but at some point in time, you got to move. Move on. You can't keep wallowing in it. You can't talk about it. You got to learn from it and go on. And I'm sure that Monty Williams is going to do that. I, I'm sure that Monty Williams is going to get his guys thinking about the future and focusing on the future. And I think the the media day is pretty much going to be the end of it.
2: Uh, Brian Windhorst, on with Bickley and Murata earlier today, talked about how much this team might actually sell for going forward. We had that. Uh, I think it was. Forbes had them evaluated at $1.92 billion. And, uh, and we were talking about this yesterday, Wolf, you know, Sarver's going to get 35% of that uh, in theory. Now, it depends. Are they going to sell the team? Is, is Are they just going to sell the team, or are they going to just sell Sarver's part of it? Because that obviously complicates the sale, but this is what Brian Windhorst said as far as just the value of the Phoenix Suns. I know that the that the Suns have been valued by Forbes and Sportico at like $1.8, $1.9. I, don't, I think it's going to blow that out of the water. I think it'll be well over two billion dollars i think you'll have multiple bidders yeah i mean we we were talking about this yesterday you said maybe three we were just trying to pick a number right sure. you said three point one right. billion i said two point eight billion who knows but uh but the bottom line is you have a team that is very valuable just in terms of just raw value but then also where they are you'll often get a chance to buy a team that's an NBA title contender yeah. right when they are an NBA title contender, a team that has a Devin Booker to build around and some of these other guys, and a team that is located where the Phoenix Suns are located.
1: Yeah, you know, once again, uh, we talked about it yesterday, but uh, y- you're in a position right now to buy this team and win. You could possibly buy this team and win a championship. In your first year, you <laughs> I mean, you're mean in your first you year, stop and think about it. Right now, how many times does that happen how many times do you get a franchise that is in win-now mode that you as a billionaire could walk in and say, we're going to go ahead and we're going to buy that team right there? You, you've got a great fan base here. Um, you've got a hyper-talented team. You've got great facilities. Uh, you've got capital that is huge when you think of the arena, when you think of the uh, uh, facility building that they have. This is like... You've got to be kidding me. The perfect me, time man. to buy it at this team, perfect. honestly. It is it's a slam dunk so because of that, I think it's going to get an awful lot of attention. There's going to be a lot of attraction here and because of that the price is going to skyrocket. Um I might be I might be out of my mind at 3.1 billion. Or guess what? It's going to go for even more than that.
2: We should put it up on eBay and just be like, okay, here. How much would you I'd pay love to for, see it. for the, the Phoenix Suns? Now, Boyan Bogdanovich was a name that had been linked to the Suns, averaged over 18 points a game last year with the Utah Jazz. And obviously, Utah is in full-blown rebuild mode, so they don't need him. Uh, but he's not coming to the Suns because he just got dealt to Detroit earlier today. Now, Brian Windhorst, again, on with Bickley and Murata, said the Suns are absolutely still in a good place to make a deal there though, for this season. I don't think that they are in any sort of dire need right now, um, but uh, they have all of their first-round picks going forward. I mean, go look at all these teams in the league. There's not that many teams that can say that. They have, um, they have ammunition in a deal. That's the thing, Wolf. It got kind of skewed in the whole Kevin Durant stuff because it was like, okay, what can you offer? The Nets want everything that you can legally offer, and you can only offer picks every other year. But if you're just trading for a normal player that could help you this season, they now have those picks going forward and that's going to be their best capital probably to get somebody other than maybe Jay Crowder who I'm still thinking is going to get dealt here at some
1: point. Yeah, you know, it's going to be so interesting to watch this team and how this team comes together and how they play for so many, so many different reasons. We were talking to Killer, Kellen Olsen, of course, mm-hmm. um, from Arizona Sports, and he, Killer was talking to us about the fact he thought they were going to be worse this year overall than, than better. No. Now, I you know it's almost an impossibility to sit here and think, there's so much that could happen. So. So many things that could happen injuries of course that could happen out there it's so it's such an unfair question to say okay right now what do you think the suns are gonna be and like? you asked him and, as we were going to break too exactly yeah. i gave him 30 seconds to do it <laughs> and it really is an unfair question but I, I was a little surprised to hear his answer on that and yet i think he's probably right yeah, I'm going to be disappointed
2: if they finish worse this year than they did last year. Um because I think they're still they're still better than a second round exit type of team. And and I'm assuming Kellen, I mean it really was up against the break. I'm assuming he's saying like where are they going to finish not hey, are they only going to win 61 games in the regular season? I don't really care how many games they win in the regular season as long as it's a good number. Yeah. Uh, I care about where they finish in the playoffs and I still think this team is a title contender. The West is loaded, but I'm I'm going to be disappointed. If they bow out in the second round again, I think a lot of Suns fans are. It doesn't mean it can't happen. It, it, you know, I mean, the odds are stacked against you in this conference, but I just think this team is still, they should
1: be Western Conference final level at least. You know, and once again, for me, the fulcrum player to the whole thing is DeAndre Aden. I'm sorry. I, I, I know I focus on him. There are so many people out there that say he's not going to get better, he, there's, he's not going to be more aggressive. He's not. He is what he is, he's an excellent player. And he is what he is. He's not going to change. He's not going to get more physical. He's not going to get better. I I, I, I don't believe that.
2: I hope you're right. Um, did you see what just happened on the TV here as we had to break the replay of Browns Jets? Nick Chubb just got in the end zone to make it, it uh, looks like, what, 30 to 17? And Browns yes. fans are going crazy right now with a minute 55 left in the fourth quarter. I wonder what happens. Surely the Browns can't lose this game, right? Oh, they lost it. (laughs) They're up by 13. They're kicking an extra point right now, Wolf. How brutal is that? Oh, he missed the extra point. Well, I'm sure that won't come back to haunt them (laughs) in a big way. Uh, All right, week three of Bix Picks kicks off tonight. Text PICK to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV. Courtesy of Corona Extra, weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. So text PICK to 620-620 to enter. Why didn't Isaiah Simmons play much against the Raiders? Well, Vance Joseph is the guy with the answers, and he spoke today. We'll get you those answers next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Isaiah Simmons. You are listening to 98.7 FM,
0: Arizona Sports Station. Woo! A star backer is a guy that plays linebacker, a little bit of safety, a little bit of dime. I mean, he's he's a star position. Star backer? That's my first time getting like a cool name to a position. Lance hit at the goal line, and he did not get in. Oh, what a hit by Isaiah Simmons. He's a star, you know. He can play whatever position. Let's go! Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. Hey.
2: Hey. Well, if it wasn't that long ago that we were hearing those clips, right? Isaiah Simmons, the star backer, he's going to change things on defense. He still could do all of these things, but uh, he had a rough week one. We didn't really see him out there much in week two, although he did make one of those game-changing plays that you talked about that you want. And, and not only was it a game-changing play, it ended the game, actually. So Sunday.
1: now can we get him to go out there and, I don't know, have 60, 65 reps somewhere in there out on the field and change the game and I make just, plays? Got to bring these two we, things we together. We need those right? two things together right there. Uh, Vance
2: Joseph is obviously in charge of how much Isaiah Simmons is out there. And he just spoke after practice today. And naturally, he was asked... Hey, what uh, happened with Isaiah Simmons
0: against the Raiders? No, it was it was strictly game plan. Again, again, my my biggest challenge is to get the right people out there versus the right people. You know, and that's that's going to be our challenge each week. But he played his butt off. I mean, he had a great week of practice after the Chiefs game. He was he was intentional in practice. He had great meetings, and he he played his butt off. Outside of the two plays he made at the end, he played really well in that game. You know, Waller's a big time target, and he held him down on third downs for us. But the two plays he made at the end of the game, no. No one can make him on our team but him. He came out of the A-gap to make a tackle on Renfro. But 35 yard sprint. And the second time, the same play he made, he knocks the ball out. So, you know, I told him this. I said, listen, it's not about how many plays you play. It's about how you play when you play, right? You can play 40 snaps and play, you know, 30 dominant snaps. That helps us win, you know. So, week to week, it's going to be packages to to uh, help us play great defense, you know, until we get our guys back. It's so tough right now to kind of each week figure out who's playing where versus their their people, you know, until we get Ham back and those guys going and get Trayvon going a little bit, so right now,
1: that's my biggest challenge weekly. Oh, man, you know what? Honestly, it just... its I don't know how you can parse it any other way that Isaiah Simmons should be out there for 60, 65 reps. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know how you can do it. Now, again, I'm not saying... Hey, listen, Vance may have his reasons, and he does have his reasons as to why Isaiah Simmons is not out on the field. But... um Matchup wise that that rings hollow to me. It does. That's that's it right there. If
2: if you say, okay, look, he didn't have a good game against the Chiefs. You guys all saw it, right? We were yeah. hesitant to put him out there, and, but then we put him in. He made some plays, and we'll see going forward. That's one thing because we did all see him not play well against the Chiefs. But if you say it's a it's a personnel thing or it's you know it's all game plan for who we're playing against, that makes it sound like even if Isaiah Simmons goes out there and has a monster game against the Rams, yeah, if it doesn't fit their matchups, we're not going to see him much against Carolina. And I don't believe they
1: believe leave that because they talked him up so much in camp. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. They gave him the green dot yeah, coming out. Yeah, you just keep peeling that off and no, eventually you, loses its stickiness. No, you don't. But once again, um, listen, there's a lot more going on here than meets the eye. That's always been my take on this, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't know. I'm not sitting in the meeting room. I don't know what Isaiah Simmons is answering when Vance asks him questions in regard to a defense and a check that might, might come out of it and and the green dot, and whether or not he understands it, and is communicating it to everybody, I, I don't, I don't know. But Vance does, and that's the reason why he only played nineteen snaps in the last game. Vance knows why he played nineteen. Cliff Kingsbury knows why he played nineteen. Steve Kime knows why he plays nineteen. But you didn't draft him number eight overall to go out there in. Play 19 snaps uh, a game.
0: Oh, no,
2: and if if you're telling me. And I'm with, you know, we had the conversation with you and Zoe earlier, and, and, you know, we were all talking about how about you just, if, if, if Isaiah can't do everything right now, have him just play one position like everybody else in the NFL. But either way, they came into the season and they're saying he can do this and he can do this, and inside linebacker, edge rusher, and safety, and corner if we need. If, if you have a guy that can do all of those things, Wolf, then
1: isn't he sort of matchup proof more than anybody? Yes. So, Yes, to answer your question, yes. So, so again, uh, we don't know everything. We don't. We don't know what has transpired. OK, we don't know what what has been said to each other. We don't know if there was a fit, if you know what I mean. We don't know if there was a disagreement that was in there. were yelling. You just don't know what was going on. And the only thing I can say with certitude is you did not draft him number eight overall to play him 19 reps a game. No,
2: you and, didn't. And what I would say, too, is when you're playing a team like the Rams, I don't know how much going to play this week but I would want him out there against the Rams you talk about a guy that can make big plays like Vance Joseph just said he just said there's nobody else in the team that could make that play he made in overtime now whether that's yeah. true or not either way he's one of the two or three guys that could make that play on your team I'm not putting him on the sidelines yeah. against the Rams
1: yeah once again, man. You know, if I if I had to go back and do it all over again, and I said it at the time, I'm I'm not I'm not second guessing. I said it at the time, man. I'll tell you what, I, I I would have put him at one position. I would have left him there, and I would have I would have said, you are going to learn this position right here. You're gonna you're gonna sink or swim at this position right here. Weak side inside linebacker. You're either gonna do it or you're not. You're gonna make it or you're not. These are the things you need to be able to do at this position right here, before we even think of moving you anywhere. Like you have to prove to us that you can be that inside linebacker that will take an ISO on and stick your face right in the fire and blow somebody up and get off the block and make a play. You have to you have to you have to prove that you can or cannot do it. But the one thing we're not going to do is start moving you around. Yeah, not just me.
2: It's no, I'm a hundred percent. I have always been hundred percent with you on this because if he's great at that first job, you can add more to it later right? But now it it almost feels like you're trying to learn a language, but you're trying to learn four languages at the same time. Like, how about you just learn the first language? And then if you need to learn a second language down the line, go ahead and do that. But you don't need to learn four languages at the same time. They don't need Isaiah Simmons, when they drafted him at least, they didn't need him to be four different players on defense. They need him to be a top ten pick at one position. If he can do more, that's awesome. But I'd rather just I I would much rather have him on the field play the whole game at one position than play 15 snaps at four different positions.
1: Right, Indeed, you know, and once again, um, he's so capable. See, it's because he is so athletic and he's so capable. um, That's why they wanted to move him around. They wanted to get him on the field and let him go out and use his great athleticism, use his ability to make plays. And we have seen that. That is the one thing about Isaiah Simmons right now. I think we'd all agree he has the ability to make plays on the field and change games. just got to see more consistency
2: all right that's it for us today thanks to Aaron Maloney Jesse Morrison behind the glass thanks to Lorenzo Alexander Kellen Olson for joining us for Wolf I'm Luke we got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station